0: This episode of Burn the Haystack is sponsored, somewhat ironically, by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.
1: Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse, and I'm Josh, and this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And apparently, you can bring marshmallows. Marshmallows. I mean, you know, if you want to burn stuff, you got to bring marshmallows. Obviously. Well,
0: I don't know. I'm just. I'm just referring to somebody's, somebody's review that they left us on. Um, on Facebook. It wasn't really a review, it was more of a... Well, I think it was a review, but it was more of a comment. It was pretty funny. Yeah? Yeah, but do you know what we should do before we start? I should read a review.
1: Do it! I love this reading the,
0: reviews. The review of the week, and remember, if uh, if you leave a review, we might read
1: yours out. Um, and if you, leave, <coughs> if you leave a funny one, well, there's even a higher chance that we'll read it out, let's be honest. Probably. And this one's from uh, good old chapo83.
0: Um, hey. This podcast is better for your well-being than eating fruit Fruit is overrated anyway And this podcast is underrated Possible the most underrated thing since town plumbing <laughs> <laughs> <That's a> very <laughs> should have read this before I started reading it. <laughs> It's a very strange and specific uh, reference You should listen to this If you care about things that are good to listen to
1: <laughs> Well, he's not wrong I'm not going to yeah. argue with that no, really? oh, it's a pretty truthful review. Thanks, <laughs> Chapo83. I have no idea who Chapo83 is. Uh, <laughs> who could that
0: possibly be? <laughs>
1: oh, gosh. Ah, oh, I think today's a good day. How's how's your day going, Josh? You know what? I'm fantastic. I went nah. to the
0: pool this morning. Um, I've been trying to get back into swimming, like doing laps and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yep. very good. And uh, so I've been a bit out of shape, but today was the first time that in my in my time going to the pool. Like, so I've only been like three or four times. So, but today I hit one kilometer in laps. Oh, congratulations!
1: Are you yeah. is it just like what, like a freestyle or breaststroke? What are you doing? Oh, I do a bit of a mix because I find I
0: get like really exhausted if I just do freestyle the whole time. Or like mm. so, generally I jump in, do like a, go real hard, like build up, build up the blood. Um, do some freestyle and then after that do some breaststroke do some couple of backstroke i generally do two laps of side stroke as well just because i'm like you know what i never know if i'm gonna need side stroke so i better keep the muscles going and remember how to do it just in case yeah somebody somebody drops something in the water and i need to go and retrieve it side stroke's pretty handy for that
1: i mean it's all it's all really important training for these possible future events you never know what might happen well,
0: you know, one thing, one thing I found out, and anybody who's studying theology or whatever, you get into all sorts of weird situations when you're a pastor, and there's never yeah. a skill that you can learn that won't one day come in handy.
1: Yep, this is true. This is true. <laughs> I've never talked to a
0: pastor <laughs> who hasn't used random skills at random times, and they're always grateful for everything they've learned. So you know what? I'm just going to go out there and say it. Anything you learn will somehow be helpful in being a pastor.
1: Yeah, I agree. And even if, it, even if you don't use it today, I mean, guaranteed one day it will come in handy at some point, even if it's like a topic of conversation, being able to relate to people, because that's the thing that I think a lot of pastors get wrong is you have like this job that you do where you're talking about spiritual stuff, but I think the mistake that a lot of people make is only talking about spiritual stuff. Like that's the only thing we can relate people back to, you know what I mean? Yep, the amount of things, I, random things I read on Reddit that all of a sudden
0: become useful a week later, <laughs> I'm just like, man, I'm so, I'm so glad I don't just do church things. I make sure I can have a wide variety of things that I'm interested in and keeping up with because it comes in so handy. So there you go, yeah. that's a tip from Josh and Jesse. If you're ever getting into full time <laughs> ministry, learn side yeah. stroke. No, I'm
1: <laughs> <laughs> it will come in handy, maybe, possibly. I don't know, yeah. But I think, I think, it, I think there's you know a wider conversation in cultural relevancy and how far's too far, or you know, what's handy and what's not. Because I think, I think a lot of pastors probably err on the side of being out of touch with what's going around, like what's going on in culture, then the ones who are like just so into culture that they lose themselves in it like i think that's the fear like we we yeah. can't be too worldly or we can't be too involved with culture otherwise we might be sucked into it i'm not quite sure what actually the fear of is happening here i don't know bad, well, bad english well
0: i mean i think there's a lot of people in church world who get so wrapped into church stuff and spiritual stuff that they don't have any they're not in touch with the world at all yeah. Um, like, I don't think it's just pastors. I talk to a lot of people and all they do is church and then they go home and watch like First Light or Hope TV, which are Adventist channels here in New Zealand Or they'll, yeah. and then they'll read,
1: I don't know, Ellen White. Like or, their whole diet is just church related and yeah, like they and I mean have they, no idea those what's things going aren't, on outside of that.
0: Yeah, those things aren't bad, but I mean, when you're doing them nonstop, you know what, maybe that'll be a good whole episode to do yeah but i think Finding it's a even, balanced spiritual diet
1: yeah no that's good and i think it's even more like important as we uh move into a culture that's more and more secularized you know like you, you talk to millennials and um you know our gen z brothers and sisters our you know the teenagers and the kids who are just now starting to get into uni they're living in a world that's less and less religious and more and more secularized So if you just can't, if you can't relate to them, like you have no hope of ever being able to have a conversation about Jesus in a meaningful way. Oh yeah.
0: I mean, when, when I told my nieces and and nephews that I'm a pastor, they literally were like, what is that? And then I had to try and explain and they just did not know half of the things I was talking about. And I mean, I'm going to take that on me that I need to learn to explain my job better to people who have no idea. (laughs) Um, but at the same time, it's a pretty hard job to talk about if you have no reference point at all. So I just that said it is an interesting thing. I'm like, yeah. a te- I'm like a teacher at a school, but different. <laughs> is basically what I said <laughs> on.
1: <laughs> but that's so true. Like, how do you explain what a pastor is to somebody who's got no concept of religion? Like, especially if they're like five years old. Like, that's such a tough thing to actually unpack.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like trying to explain what a painter does to somebody who has no concept of color.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know Yeah There you go But this is the world This is the world we live in
0: Yeah This is Gen Z They're apparently One of the first The first generation Who Generally like They're born Without any religious influence So normal Like our gen A lot of us Though we're not religious now um, Were born with spiritual parents Or you know Religious parents Gen Z Are generally like The kids of the people Who left religion So they've got no
1: Religious affiliation at all Like The majority Yeah Alright it's a tough Interesting. one. It's a tough one. And our guest today uh, knows all about that because today we have the honor and the pleasure of interviewing the one, the only Pastor Benjamin Lundquist. And so honest, right. I can
0: honestly say it, you did. Um this <laughs> this interview for me was actually so huge. Like I I really enjoyed this one. And I remember he, just walking yeah. away from it. I was just like, there's so many things that I'm like, wow, that's
1: that's sticking with me. Do you know what I mean? Pa- That's there now. This yeah. isn't going away. Benjamin, he has such an energy. Like he has such a a passion, a drive, um, a contagious sort of energy that um, you just can't help but be sort of not not caught up in, but like inspired by and like revved up. Like he's just got that sort of animal magnetism that I think just draws people. <laughs> animal magnetism. <laughs> I don't Feel the know the how- animal. I mean, he he looks like and he sounds like he's the cousin of of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which is <laughs> if that look if you have nothing else to go on, that should absolutely make you want to listen to this episode. Like that should rev you up right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess like you know if if people like want to visualize this whole thing, he's like a mix between Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Craig Rochelle.
1: Yes, definitely. <laughs> with A bit yeah. of CrossFit in there with for good measure. <laughs>
0: Uh, but honestly, like I feel so, I don't know, g'd up. Yeah, just like you said. So, this is yeah. a great interview for me, and I think it's one that will be a a highlight for a lot of people. I think it's yeah. super helpful for so many people, especially our generation.
1: Man, crazy helpful. So we are just gonna get right out of the way and uh, just jump into it. This is our interview with Pastor Benjamin Lundquist. Enjoy. Okay, on the podcast today, we are super blessed to have Pastor Benjamin Lundquist all the way from Portland, Oregon. G'day, Benjamin. How are you?
2: Doing wonderful. Uh, Joshua, Jesse, really excited about being on the podcast. Thanks for the invitation and bring you uh, warmest greetings from Portland, Oregon, the hipster capital of the world. (laughs) And uh, yeah, really glad to connect with you guys and I've heard so many good things about your podcast and actually got connected uh, to Joshua uh, by m- my good friend Martin over in the Brisbane mm-hmm. area and spoke so highly of both of you guys. But it's a real honor, and thanks again for the the conversation that we're going to have and the chance to share a little bit on the podcast.
0: Yeah, awesome. We're, I mean, we're so excited about this. I know it's it's taken a little while to get a time and everything and, and stuff that we can sort out all together, get get all three of us Um But yeah, this is really exciting. And it's exciting for me that you're from Portland. My sister was there recently and she came back and she told me that, Josh, you were honestly made for Portland. You need to go there one (laughs) day and see the place. I'm
1: like, really? So it's now here. It's the hipster capital of the world. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why. (laughs) So Benjamin, would you just like to quickly give our listeners, those who don't know you, uh, a little bit of an introduction, the man behind the myth, who is Pastor Benjamin Lundquist?
2: Uh yeah, I'd be glad to do that. Um I am currently living uh like you mentioned in Portland, Oregon, and I'm married to a wonderful woman named Kim, uh who's a who's a southern belle originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and so if um in New Zealand, Australia, if you uh you know, if have kind of heard about where country music's heartbeat is, you often hear about Nashville. And so Kim's from Nashville and uh we met actually doing uh, gymnastics together at Southern Adventist University. So we met on the acro team and used to do NBA halftime shows together and uh parades in New York City. And so we kind of had a, had a neat journey. And um I've got two kids, a 9-year-old boy named Koa and a 7-year-old daughter named Remy. And uh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a real um, I, I think when you ask you know, kind of the 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 workings of of me. I'm a huge supporter of family and just being an engaged father and husband. Um, Kim and I are on a great journey together, but it's uh, yeah. So family really, I think, is at the core of my priority list. And then I also do this thing called ministry, which is secondary to family. And uh, have some Amen. yeah, yeah I have some pretty neat opportunities. <laughs> you know, to, to do ministry, which really, you know, just sharing hope and encouragement and empowerment with people. And uh, the Lord, um, I guess, saw fit a number of years ago, about seven years ago, to move me into a niche of young adult ministry. And so uh, 90% of what I do is really walking alongside young adults. And a lot of that uh, journey is me just being quiet and listening and uh, looking for ways that I can empower and encourage uh, young adult leaders, and that that was a big shift for me, going from uh, eight years of youth ministry to young adult ministry. But really making that pivot that within young adult ministry, specifically, that um, I'm not doing ministry for young adults; that I'm doing ministry with young adults side mm-hmm. by side. And so, it really was a, I think, an approach. Uh, pivot for me that said, you know, it's really about um, how do we partner as equals in ministry for the expansion of the gospel and impact. Um, so, yeah, that that kind of is where God has been using me in the last few years. And it's just a great privilege. So I base out of Portland and then I'm running um, a couple different projects. Uh, one in the Pacific Northwest is called the uh, Adventist Northwest Growing Young Cohort, and so that's a, a year-long journey with 44 Seventh-day Adventist churches uh, that we're launching and in the middle of, and it's a journey for cultural change that takes place over 2019. And so that's that's part of what I do, and then uh, support some ministry at the NAD, but really just try to empower and encourage leaders and really you know lean into that Uh, passion that I have for the young adult demographic.
1: Mm. Wow, You mentioned um, just in the middle there and really just kind of piqued my interest, the the shift from youth ministry to young adult ministry. Um, And I think this is... you, You mentioned how you had to make that shift from doing ministry for youth or young adults to doing ministry with youth or young adults. Did you find that the two cultures are uh, like incredibly different, are they similar? Is there a pendulum swing going? Is there a paradigm shift going? What does that actually look like because i that's not the first time I've heard that idea, and it seems to be a conversation that people are talking about more and more
2: yeah, you know I, I think that the um having done eight years of eight almost nine years of youth ministry at the same church um, in youth ministry. Um, you know, I think within that kind of youth ministry model, there are just some some limitations because of the age of the demographic that you're ministering to and and I think there's um you know just a different approach of um planning a lot of ministry for a demographic where in in the young adult uh ministry journey, I know for me i I really made you know kind of that paradigm shift of um, if it's about empowering this generation of young adults, um, I can't look at them as being leaders someday. I have to really look at them as being leaders right now that there's not a waiting period that hey, in five or ten years, we're going to launch you into leadership and impact and try to help you figure out your calling and career. But it's really recognizing that that is um, that's right in the present. So I think for me, you know, just being able to, paradigm shift from maybe kind of a hierarchy in ministry where like I'm a pastor and I'm dealing with high school students to really do away with the hierarchy within young adult ministry and be able to say we are co-leaders like I want to respect you as a leader a hundred percent and I hope that that respect can come back my way as well but we are in the trenches together there's mutual respect and I really want to uh, launch uh, you well and really help you discover everything that God has already put inside of you. So, yeah, I, th- I think for me, just a little bit of a difference of approach. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, resonates with me, but I think it also resonates with young adults. You know, I think there are a lot of young adults, especially with an, with an Adventism, that have just been told uh, for so long, you're going to be the church of tomorrow, yada, yada, yada. And I think we just have to do away with some of some of those uh, one-liners that draw applause in the moment, but they really don't produce any change. To to be able to say it's not about tomorrow. Like right now, you have a calling on your life to be a leader, and right now, the Holy Spirit is in you, and right now, you have passions. And so, I, I really look at my role as really just coming alongside young emerging leaders. And helping them to discover what God has already put inside of them. It's nothing that I'm giving them. God's already put it there. I'm just coming alongside as a, a support or a tool to help unlock what God has already put inside these young leaders.
0: Wow. That's so powerful. Um, and I think it's so true. You know, like I. I've run into the same thing where I find young people who they just keep saying even to themselves, like, oh yeah, we're the church of tomorrow. Like we're going to lead this church one day. And I'm always like, why Why one day? Why not just start now? You know, like I'm I'm not going to stop you. Um, so what are, what do you reckon are some sort of, uh, like the, what, what are some really effective things you've done or that you see being done that have helped young people discover um, sort of what sort of leadership, Abilities they have and the gifts that God's put inside them.
2: Yeah, that that that's a good question. I'll, and I'll say this: I mean, um, I hope nobody ever looks at me as an expert in anything. <laughs> you know, everything is, <laughs> everything is trial and error. And you're trying to figure things out, and you hope that, you know, in 2019 we're doing a little bit better than we were in 2018. But you know, I'll, I'll share from my journey. But there's no approach of. I'm the expert on young adult ministry. I just have a passion for this demographic. And honestly, I think the passion really came from my own journey because I had people that walked alongside that time in my life with me, and really they called out things that I didn't even know existed inside of me, and I just didn't see. And so I had people... That unlocked um, gifts and abilities and passions that I didn't even know were there, and so a lot of the passion I have for young adult ministry, I think, comes from people that God put in my life that did the same thing for me. So it's really just trying to do the same thing on a bigger scale um, for more young adults, just like somebody you know somebody has, has done for me. So I, I think a couple things um, every event, initiative um, that we do with uh, Oregon Young Adults, which is kind of the branded young adult ministry in the Oregon Conference, or even even things we do with the NAD, there are always uh, two uh, primary focuses for every effort. And one is to always be uplifting Jesus and helping young adults to understand the freedom of the gospel and to really be able to understand that it's not about being free someday, you're free right now, and mm-hmm. that you have an identity that God has given you right now, and it's not about discovering that you know, 15 or 20 years down the road, but I think it's just being able to understand the freedom and the power of the gospel in the present, along with us taking every opportunity that we can To really move young adults forward in their leadership development and growth, and you know, for me, um, I I hope that we never approach young adult ministry as wanting to retain young adults. Uh, You know, Joshua Jesse, I'll just tell you, for me, I don't want to be retained at all. Like I like (laughs) I, I never wake up one day and think, man, I hope that somebody will retain me today. Uh, what I hope for me is I hope that somebody will release me to have great impact with my life and so you know I think the approach that we have is every opportunity that we that we um, have in front of us, we want to move young adults uh, deeper in the gospel and more uh, forward in the leadership development and growth that God has for them and so we do that through, camp meetings and service projects and bible studies and conference calls, but it's always about the awareness, how can I help that that leader go next level? How can I push them a little bit more to understand who they are in Jesus, to be confident in that identity and to be able to grow just to that next level of what God has for them. And so I would say there are there is some leadership development conferences that we do and there's there's some formalized efforts but a lot of it is doing what we always do with much greater intentionality so we don't miss out on this opportunity to have this young adult vespers program on friday night and realize that this is a great opportunity to not only uplift jesus but to help develop some leaders along the way um and so mm. you know i think of yeah so a lot a lot of what we do is is again Trying to help young adults understand the freedom of the gospel, and then looking at every opportunity that we have to help young adults go next level in the leadership that that God is calling them to.
0: Wow! So, so it's not not, not even necessarily just like a program or a set of programs that you run. It's more of a a posture that you you do everything with. Would, would that be correct?
2: Yeah, I would say, and again, there there are a few efforts that we run, like we have a couple rhythms of leadership training that happen. But you're right, Joshua, at the end of the day, it's a culture. And I think it's a culture that we try to grow really intentionally, where everyone understands that you are a called leader. And everybody has a next level um, to go in that development for the honor and the glory of God. And so I think it really is a culture where everybody is looking out for um, younger leaders and everyone is looking for opportunities to come alongside leaders with encouragement and empowerment and support. So I think it really is a culture. And I had a unique opportunity uh, up here in Oregon for the last couple of years, i have actually living at a summer camp with my family. And I wow. always think, you know, nothing too fine for a servant of the Lord. Uh, <laughs> but we live at a summer camp. And we actually, my wife and I uh, get to journey with 120 young adults for three months straight. Wow. And so every fine. day, it's worships, and it's mentoring, and it's my wife speaking life into young adult females, and it's me having uh, conversations with young men who are trying to sort through the complexities of life and career and calling. And my dad um, had an affair with my mom, and my mom just found out, and and I hate my dad, and I'm trying to figure out um, how do I forgive. And so we got a real kind of a unique opportunity where we're always trying to learn, Kim and I, about how to better walk alongside uh, young adults. And so we're always learning and just trying to have the courage to step into those conversations and just let the Holy Spirit lead.
1: Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I know you mentioned before the retaining culture. Yep. the uh, You're the Church of Tomorrow culture. Yep. As, as you have traveled around the country or you've heard stories from people in different churches What what are some of the things that you're hearing that you're like, we need to stop? Like, what's the stuff that's not working? Maybe the stuff that we kind of get stuck in. um, And if somebody was, you know, sitting across from the table from you and saying, yeah, this is what we're doing in our church. What are some of the things that you would go, ooh, probably need to stop doing that?
2: Oh man, there's there's quite a few. Um, let, let me let me give you how much how, how much time do we have? You know, let me let me give all you all the
1: time in the world. Let me give you a couple. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah, I, I guess a couple. A couple, I would say, would be when it comes to just phraseology or practices that I think are not effective, and really, it's it's just about doing better. Like I think we can do better as a church. By letting go of some of the phraseology and some of the practices, and I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, you know, I, I think we should do away with um, in the in the states what we know as token positions, and what that means is, like, let's not give a young adult a fake position so we can have them on an organizational chart and they can feel like they're a leader. Let me just rock your world with this case study. I'm not sure in New Zealand if you've heard of Silicon Valley, but Silicon Valley in California is like the birth—it's like the birthplace of the tech industry. You know, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Google. And I heard a, heard a case study about a year and a half ago of a young adult that was not allowed to have a key for the primary lock on his church, and so the church, for whatever reason, just didn't feel like he had enough experience to have a key for the church. Here was the comment of this young adult. And, and I can't you can't make this stuff up. Here is his comment. He said, I I oversee a six million dollar budget every year for the company I work for in Silicon Valley. And my church doesn't feel like they can entrust me with a key to the front door. And, and so I you know I think so I think there's um I think when you when you hear some stories like that, I cringe. Like, oh wow, you know, because you have somebody who's wanting to be involved. But I think we need to do away with any kind of token roles within the church and say, if we're gonna offer somebody a leadership role, then let them not be a junior leader. Let them be a leader, and let mm. them use what God has given them. And and actually lead with with influence. And so I think being able to say, you know, let's recognize, and this is just a passion of mine. I, I think it's somebody unlocked something early on in me, and it's just a passion, this idea of developing leaders for God. And I think it's 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 about being able to say, um, we are really gonna Look at everybody as a leader because leadership is influence. Leadership is not about titles and positions. And I think within Adventism, um, we only think about leadership in terms of how do we fit somebody on an organizational chart. And so when you have this nominating process, people begin to think, okay, who are the leaders that we could plug in? But I think we really have to say we've got to do away with, with a second rate junior leadership status and just recognize that everybody is a leader because everyone has influence. And it's influence that makes somebody a leader. It's not about a title or or a position. You know, the titles and positions give focus and responsibility to influence. But at the end of the day, everybody is a leader. And so I would love to see us do away with the kind of junior leadership status and just call people leaders like the 10 year old kid in the church lobby who's throwing paper airplanes and got all of his friends to throw paper airplanes that 10 year old kid is a leader why because that 10 year old kid influenced a whole lobby of kids to be able to throw paper airplanes you know in the church lobby but just being able to recognize hey uh, everybody is a leader and we want to help be a community that unlocks the potential, you know, that God has put inside of everybody. So maybe get, getting rid of some of the, you know, some of that uh, verbiage of, you know, just kind of being a junior junior leader. I think that would be a good one, you know, to kind of let go of. And yeah, you know, I think I think there's there's a couple other ones for me that are are pretty big ones and I'm going to pause right here cuz I forgot what those are so give me a second to think about what that is yeah, yeah, I, I had like two other really good ones I was thinking about <laughs> That's all good I got a second they're going to come to me Okay I'm going to, we're going to roll with it take a good drink of water
0: <laughs> All right <Sweet>. yep.
2: <laughs> And I think another one for I think another one for me is um being able to look at a young adult and kind of casting the vision that the only way they can make an impact is if they're if they're working for the church in some kind of ministry capacity and i and I think sometimes we we cast this vision that you have to somehow work for the de- denomination to make impact and i would I would like us to uh, cast a new vision that really says you can make an impact for God wherever God calls you if God calls you to Silicon Valley, if he calls you to the marketplace, if he calls you to the streets of Portland, Oregon, that you can really make an impact wherever God uh, is calling you. And I hope that as much success as young adults can have in our church, I hope they have success in the marketplace. I hope they have success in their jobs and in their families. But being able to uh, maybe kind of redefine or cast a new vision for what a leader for God can look like and expand the potential on what those platforms could look like as far as where somebody could lead.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I really like what you what you said before about um, leadership isn't necessarily a title, it's its influence. Um, I was I was just chatting with some of my young adults uh, a few days just a few days ago, literally. And I were in the in the midst of the conversation. We were just talking about our local conference, the North New Zealand conference, and um, I was just mentioning a few things. And I and I dropped um, the the name of our conference president, and they didn't know. They're like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "He's wow. our conference president," you know. And and um and then I asked them, "Well, hang on, D- do you know who Ted Wilson is?" And they're like, "Who's Ted Wilson?" Well, wow. and I'm like. Are you serious? Like, and I was—I was just amazed. Um, it, it feels just so elementary that if you're a Seventh Day Adventist, you have a bit of a knowledge mm. of how the church works, who your conference president is, who the current general conference president is, how the structure works, and all that sort of stuff. But these are the sorts of people who they don't know who Ted Wilson is, but they know who Logan Paul is, mm. and 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 they know some of these Instagram influencers. How how is it that this culture shift in your mind has happened and what does it actually look like for the future of the church cuz i when these young adults become and they're going to become our leaders pretty soon i wonder what that has what the implications are for the way that we look at authority hierarchy and all that sort of stuff
2: yeah that that's that's a great that's a great question i i think some of the trends that we've that we've just seen, you know, even in my lifetime is I, is I think that um, organizational structure um, seems to have less and less power over younger leaders or maybe influence because everybody has access to everybody. And so, you know, if, if I want to, for example, uh, chat with Ted Wilson or get him a comment, I can go straight to Twitter and I could just tweet him a comment and, and, all of a sudden, he's going to have, uh, you know, the comment that, that I want to share with him. So I, th- I think there's, yeah, I think the the way that we look at organizations, I think younger generations are looking through a completely different lens where uh, people are respecting authority figures, not because of their position, but because of their voice and their influence and the causes that they care about and the passion. And their empathy and their willingness to be real and authentic. Uh, one thing I've seen, you know, just play out time and time again, is that especially with young adults, is that authenticity is currency. You know that that it's it's a generation of young leaders that sees so much artificiality from Instagram. Uh, filters and everybody taking the right photo and the right angle, and, and I'm sure you guys have seen all the sunset photos with the no filter hashtag, but I think we <laughs> see just so many things um, in our in our daily life that are so filtered that I think we have a generation that really craves authenticity. And so I think for a leader um, like Ted Wilson or somebody within our, our church structure, um, for a leader to want to make an impact, they have to be willing to show real empathy and authenticity You know, for this generation, and they're going to really have to share their heart because people are looking for, I think, leaders that are passionate, and, and we're not going to follow you just because of where you are organizationally, but we're going to follow you because you're real and you're passionate and you care and you want to make a difference. And so I think you know everybody has the chance to connect but i think you know things are just a little bit different you know in the way that we engage um and, and because we have so much access to everybody i think young adults are less less impressed with structure and they're really more impressed with with leaders who are real and those that are authentic and they they connect you know a lot with the, with that kind of a leadership model
0: mm. Yeah, I think I've definitely noticed that, um, you know, in the trend of sort of um, big camp speakers or teen camp speakers um, or, you know, at a, at a high school week of worship or something, talking to the kids. I'm always like, oh, so, you know, out of these speakers that we've seen together, what which ones we favor? Like, oh, I love just how, how real this one was. You know, that was always, you know, there were other ones who might have been more elegant speakers. But at the end of the day, the, the, the trend seems to be they gravitated well more towards people who are actually open and share with their struggles and they share like themselves more. It's not, they can, they can instantly see as soon as somebody puts a show up before them, it's like they can just see it straight away. They're so used to um, sort of the fake Instagram life yep. and the show your best, hide the rest. That It's made it really easy now for I think our generation and younger to really spot fake um, just quickly. Whenever somebody's trying to sell them something that isn't real, I think they can spot it. Mm. Um, so that's a really cool... Yeah, that's really cool. I haven't really related it to leadership as much. So, And I, I, like and I think I like along
2: that. those same lines, um, whether it's the business world, uh, business corporate world, or even the church corporate world, you know, I, I think we have just seen um, time and time again, a lot of high profile leaders fall and they failed publicly, mm. and so I, I think a lot with some of those public failures, and and just with the the trend, our societal trend of everything being being filtered, um, I, and the access that we have to everybody. I think a leadership approach just has to be different. It's going to have to be authentic. It's going to have to be real, and and it's going to have to uh, really uh, lean into. Uh, causes that connect with the heartbeat of a generation, you know, and it, it's like whether you do youth youth ministry or young adult ministry, people know when you're not the real deal. They know, mm, you know, yeah. they know, and they know when this sermon was just given last Sabbath, and you're just sharing the same sermon again. They know there's just some little differences, and they know, and and as much as they know in that realm, they also know when a speaker comes off the stage and says, "I'm gonna take five or ten minutes and I'm gonna pray for you. What do you really what do you really have going on? What's really going on in your life? I just want to be present with you right now. They know that's real too. You know it's, I, I, so I think there's just a um, you know, people have seen so much. They've seen leaders that are high profile fall. There's a different level of access. And so I think our leadership approach, even within the church, yeah, I think it has to be much more of a authentic, real, we make mistakes, we don't have everything together, and we're willing to journey and be led by the Holy Spirit and learn together. But I don't have anything more figured out than you do. Let's figure it out together. So I think really the idea of uh, let's collaborate, let's bring all the voices to the table, and let's see what we can do together for the cause of God.
1: How does that change the face of authority? Because I, 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 you know, when I when you mentioned the high profile leaders that have have fallen over the past few years, you know, all these names start to just fill my head of people, men usually, and you know, older white men who have been authority mm. figures and they've been strong authority figures and they've advocated for, you know, strong male, masculine Christianity and or, or whatever. So how does this change the way that authority looks like in the church?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, it, it goes back to um, some of the foundations of effective ministry and its relationships that we really have to be willing to put in the time with the generation that we're trying to love better, and we've got to really be willing to put in that relational time and connect. I, I think it comes back to uh, something I, I think I heard from either Duffy Robbins or Doug Fields, who are um, some youth ministry, I'll, I'll say experts, that we have over, over here in the States. And they, they I'd heard the statement that um, you, you earn the right to be heard, you know, that it's by a leader being authentic and real and journeying with people that really gives him or her the ability to speak into that person's life. And so I think for, for me, and I, 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 I'll just say this uh, going on record on this amazing podcast, I think <laughs> the church has the potential to be more relevant today than it has ever been ever been wow. because we are Both so climbed. we are so relationally disconnected and we we are so lonely and we crave community and we crave um hugs and we crave potluck lunches and we want to we wanted to be at a table together and share a meal together and so i think you can uh you know you can get you can download all the sermons you want online from the most amazing preachers around the globe, but you cannot download thoughtful mentorship. And you can't Mm. download somebody doing life with somebody else. And so when you look at the church uh, today, I think it's a chance for us to rise up and maximize the gift of relationships within the local church that cannot be duplicated online. And I'm sure you all have um seen this, you know you can have somebody's Instagram account that has um, a community that's a million miles wide, but it's a centimeter deep and mm-hmm. when the filters go away and when somebody pulls off the platform, they're lonely and yeah. there's crisis going on in their life, and they don't have an intimate community of friends to lean on and I think to myself and here's the church, what an amazing opportunity that we have to say, let's do face-to-face life. We're still going to connect online, and that's never going away, but let's do face-to-face life. Let's meet up in that cafe. Let's play football on Sunday mornings. Let's take a walk you know, at the beach. Let's process life together. And, and so I think there is, again, such an opportunity for us as a church to go back to you know, the core of ministry, and that's relationships. And to say, yeah, there's programming elements and there's things that are, you know, effective and can accomplish a purpose, but we don't want to be so focused on programs that we forget about people. And wow. and the church, again, I think is just can be such a great platform for reconnecting people, you know, together again. And so, you know, you ask a great question about the authority, and I kind of went a different route, but I can tell you I can tell you this. The people that have the loudest voice voices in my life men and women mentors are those that have uh, not just told me about their successes but their but they've shared their failures with me and they've walked with me and we've uh, had a mentoring relationship but they've invested relationally and they have earned the right to be heard and their voice is the loudest in my life because because they've earned that so you know, can um, can leaders within our church have great influence? Absolutely. But it's not going to be given to them because of their position or title. I think it's going to be earned by them because of the way they are intentionally investing in their network of leaders around them. And I think they're going to earn that influence. Um, and they can have it. I think Ted, Ted Wilson can have extremely positive influence but I think in this day and age, um, it's not just given. You know, It's not just a given. I think we have to work hard, and we've got to be able to mm. earn the right to speak into somebody else's life. But when that happens, it's golden. It's golden. Mm. There are people that can say almost anything they want into my life, and I'm going to listen because they have put so many hours into my life relationally, and I know they care, and I know they love me, and it's transformed my life. And I think that... You know, is why I love what you guys are doing uh, with the podcast and these conversations and the leadership, and it's why I'm passionate about walking alongside young leaders because somebody had done that for me.
0: Wow, that's so cool, man! I feel so I feel so encouraged right now. You know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> um, would you say that's a staple of your your leadership is really encouragement? Um, because I've noticed, like, I mean, you seem to have all this enthusiasm, and just it just oozes from you. And so, has that been a big part in in developing your leadership to to just encouraging?
2: That's a good question. I will say um, that sometimes maybe your greatest challenge could turn into your greatest strength. And so, yeah. when I was a young when I was a young lad, I was very I I think I had uh, attention deficit disorder, and I had a lot of energy as a young kid, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean God's found a way to use the way he is that he has wired me. You know, from the I think even from a young age, I had a really great mom, I had a great dad. I think I think those were two voices that spoke into my life. But even from a young age, I always felt like there was a calling on my life to to impact. Even from being in elementary school, I can remember some moments in high school, even in college, I didn't know what it was, I didn't know what it's going to look like, I even now don't know what it's going to look like in five years or ten years, but I always felt like there was a calling on my life to impact. Um, For whatever reason, I, I think I would give the credit to good mentors, I have never drawn my identity from what I do, and so I am a church pastor, but my identity is not a church pastor. Or my identity is not ministry. Uh, I I pull my identity from from God in Jesus and from the standing that I know that I have with Him. And so I think there's always been this sense of your call to something great. Your identity comes from one source, and that's from Jesus. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Um, if I have the worst speaking appointment of my life, and it does happen. It doesn't mean that I am less than because my identity doesn't come from that speaking appointment. My identity comes from Jesus. And so I think there's some passion from the identity being anchored for me, you know, in a concrete place. I think, you know, that calling. And then, you know, part of just, you know, giving to other people what people have given me. You know, I think it's a, I don't have anything great in me. That either hasn't been given me to me by God or by somebody else. So anything I have to share is really just sharing the gifts that people have given me. And I and there are have been a, some people that have really played a big role in my life, and they've given me a lot. And and I think I I don't take that for granted, and I want to give a lot. And I just I don't know. There's so many things. That, that's a that's a loaded question, Joshua. That you share. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I Maybe it's my wiring. I believe that tomorrow can be better with Jesus. I do. I believe that yeah. it can. And I believe that anything is possible uh, through the power of God. I really believe that. I believe that people can be healed. I believe that miracles that happen in Scripture can happen today. And I really believe that. And I believe that dead churches can be resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. I really yeah. believe that. I, and I believe amen. that... I believe that a, an 80-year-old church member who seems lifeless um can have a new vision cast into their life that their greatest impact is not sitting on a church board but it's meeting with a young adult for a meal every week and pouring life into their life. And so I you know I think there's yeah a lot of things that fuel me um I try to be a pretty disciplined uh person and sometimes you think about discipline as kind of a downer, like, oh man, it sounds like school. <laughs> um, but i I try to keep my priorities in the right place. I, I, you know, I really believe in in um, taking care of myself, whether it's emotionally, community, spiritually. You know, the time with God, and so there are times like everybody where my cup is running empty, and you may see a different level of passion when that when that situation happens. Um, and usually, I can trace. You know, just looking back, okay, that's that's why I'm kind of feeling empty at the moment. But I try to lead myself really well. And I know just for me, um, I think the hardest person that I'll ever lead is myself. And I think there's a lot of people that talk about leadership. And I think the first person that we're called to lead is us. And I know that when I'm firing in all cylinders, I'm leading myself really well. My cup is filled up and overflowing. And I just have a little bit of something extra that I can give to the people around me.
0: Wow, what what are you? I mean, I I know you you you're saying that sometimes talking about disciplines can be yep. a downer, but I actually love hearing um, people's disciplines. So, uh, do you want to share with us some help, like r- disciplines that have really helped you in life that you've been able to stick to, and if if you're comfortable sharing them? Yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely, <laughs> and we could be on here for an hour because there's <laughs> there's, you know, and again. Um, you know, Joshua and Jesse, this is trial and error. Like there's, there's nothing that says I've got, I've reached the plateau. Everything's figured out. I think it's, it's just saying I want to be in a constant, um, processing space of how can I leave myself a little bit better than I did last week or, or a month earlier or 2018. So I think for me, it's just an awareness that if I want to be a good husband, and if I want to be an engaged, great, not just a good dad, but a great dad to Remy and Koa, I have to have a cup that's filled up. Like it's not optional. If I don't have anything to give, I can't be a great uh husband and I can't be a great dad. So, you know, I think I'm always in that space of, you know, I just want to have more to give. And so I try to take responsibility for myself, you know, when it comes to leading me. And and nobody nobody is going to care about leading us more than us like it's nobody can lead you know our lives for us we got to do that for ourselves but yeah a couple practical things um maybe I'll give you one sp- on the spiritual side and then just some practical like just getting set up for a great week and that kind of a thing yeah. uh one habit that i've i kind of developed a number of years ago is i just noticed that i was getting up in the morning to spend some time with the Lord. And if I'm honest with you, uh, Joshua and Jesse, I wasn't even excited. Like I didn't even (laughs) want to do what I was doing. One leadership principle that I've shared with people that run meetings is this. Don't ever plan a meeting that you don't want to come to yourself. Like, don't do that. (laughs) Like, why would you want to do that? If you're dreading your own meeting, that's your fault. Like, don't don't do that. So anyway, I was just realizing like I wasn't growing spiritually as much as I wanted and, and the evidence of that was I wasn't really even looking forward to getting up and doing what I was doing with the Lord, whether it was prayer, Bible study, that kind of that kind of a thing. And so the practice that seems to work for me, that's just for me, is on Sunday nights, I create a spiritual growth plan for the week. And so I take Sunday night and I creatively try to plan out um, time with the Lord, Monday through Friday. I don't plan out Sabbath because so many things end up happening on a Sabbath anyway, but but I have some good control over Monday through Friday. And so Sunday night, I sit down and I try to plan out really an experience with God over those five days that I actually am looking forward to engaging Him. And, and I'll give you some examples. Maybe one Maybe one Sunday night, I plan for the, the, the upcoming week that I'm gonna prayer walk my neighborhood. And so that week is all about prayer walking or maybe it's about uh, journaling or connecting with God through praise music or certain artists. But I think that the principle is, uh, just like you go, go to work out at the gym, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, eventually you're not gonna feel challenged by whatever you're doing, by those habits, and it's not going to be exciting for you uh, because it's not challenging and it's not new and it's not fresh. It's like if I took Kim on a a date night and for a year I took her to the same restaurant every single week, there's going to come a point where you're like, ah, man, that restaurant is really not doing it for me anymore. You (laughs) need some variety. And so I, I think for me on that Sunday night, just being able to say, okay, Ben, how can you plan a, a five day journey with God that you are going to be so excited about. You wake up and you bounce out of bed because you have that plan for that day, and so just being creative, you know. And I think it's it's unique for the way that God has wired everybody, but you know, being able to plan out my week uh, that that's a really that's a really big thing for me when it comes to habits, and just being honest about that, like if. If I had an off week spiritually, and if, if anybody's listening, uh, ministry leaders do have off spiritual weeks. Uh, <laughs> to, like there are weeks where things are just not firing, you know, and things are going on. But being, being able to assess honestly how things are going and just create something with God that I really, you know, want to come to, and maybe different ways that you can read the Bible or you can pray or conversations with mentors or journaling or getting off that chair and going outside. But just creating creating something that's a little bit unique to the week before that you really that you really like to come to so spiritually I'm just always trying to think about how am I going to connect with God in a way that's meaningful and different than I did the week before and just kind of tracking on that um, I do a lot of journaling um, and I found a great app called day one and it's it's an app that allows me to do voice dictation journal entries. So if I don't have the time to type out an entry, but I can end the day being able to look at, you know, what are some um, gratitude moments that I've had throughout the day? What are some things that went really well that I'm just thankful for? Or what are some lessons that I learned today? And so I like to end the day with uh, often some journaling time, looking at some moments of gratitude, some lessons that I have learned and then a couple things, and I and this is gonna ch- this is gonna challenge a lot of people because it it cha- it really challenges me, and it is challenging me. But here is here is a couple. Um, if you want to have an amazing morning, it starts the night before. It doesn't start in the morning, uh. and so being able to say if I want to own the morning, and I'll just say this: how you start is gonna dictate how your day goes, okay. and so if you don't start well your day's going to be off. It's like, uh, do you got, you all have GPS in New Zealand? You know, it's like if your coordinates, if that first step is off, you could end up miles (laughs) from where you want to be, you know, in a number of hours. So if you want to start, well, I think for me, I just figured out that that, that works best by really, um, having structure and routines to my evening before, so I can really look at launching well the next day. So a couple of things for me, and this is a struggle. I try my best to do no screen time an hour before bed, and that's hard. I'm just going to be honest, that's tough. But being mm-hmm. being able to say, I don't want to go to bed every night with the last thing I'm thinking about is Instagram or how many posts or engagements or likes or or um uh, Uh, different things that happen with that platform so i try to stay off the phone an hour before bed that that definitely is kind of a challenging thing that's a challenging thing for me but i try so hour for bed hour before bed i'm getting off getting off the uh the uh phone and that just lets kim and i have a lot more time to do things and uh to spend some time together you know um kind of finish out our day so i'm off the phone an hour before i go to bed And I also try to stop eating three hours before I go to bed. Now, I'll be honest, I love, I don't know if you can relate, Josh or Jesse, I love me a good late-night meal. Like, that's, you know, it's (laughs) great, it's great. But just being able to say, like, I don't want to go to bed with my stomach bursting, you know, because I just don't (laughs) sleep as well. So trying to time out, you know, how do you eat and prep for a great night's sleep. And some of this may sound basic, but over time, I think it really does make a difference. You know, and so getting off the phone an hour before bed, try to not kill that huge meal three hours you know, before you go to bed. And then I think I try the night before to create an initial strategy of goals for the next day. And so when I wake up, I know that the night before, I've already been thinking about What are the highest priorities that I have for the next day? What are those goals that I really hope I can lean into and accomplish? And I don't know about you guys, I can't accomplish 30 goals. I'm just not that good or efficient, but I can do two or three. So the night before, I usually try to lay out, you know, what are my two or three goals that I have for the next day? And I think it just gets my mind thinking along those lines. So when I wake up the next morning, I'm already in that headspace thinking about what I hope to accomplish, you know during the day, but yeah, I'm always just thinking about you know how do I tweak different things out or or try to leave myself better, and I think I just I know how much better it is when my cup is filled up, and I also know what it's like to have an empty cup. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to preach a sermon um at a church with people that need a word from the Lord when i have nothing in my cup i know i know what that's like and you're standing up in front of people and you're thinking you know i'm going to i'm going to give it my all but my cup is empty and i really can't wait until this opportunity is done because i just know i'm not giving my best you know right here and so being able to just know the difference of a filled up cup or an empty cup and just knowing how much better um, we're able to serve and love people when we lead ourselves well, and so always just trying to figure out in that space you know how do we do that can i share- share something fun with you about uh Kim and I and kind of our connection points um with Kim and I you know some of those uh habits and rhythms we try to build into and I've been married uh for thirteen years, actually. I'm gonna get in trouble. I've been married for 14 years, <laughs> not 13 years.
1: <laughs> oh, congratulations! congratulations. I, yeah.
2: I hope this podcast is not gonna go public. I hope it's gonna be <laughs> kept private, but...
1: just between us. The God, rest of the, the, rest so of the
2: time. Uh, but yeah, I'm married for for, for 14 years, at a rhythm that Kim and I try to live out. And again, it doesn't happen all the time. We tried. We tried to, is that every single day we have 20 minutes of intentional conversation between a husband and a wife every day. So every day we try to do 20 minutes of conversation, intentional, phones are off, we're just connecting together. Um, Every week we try to do at least one date per week. Sometimes those are day dates, sometimes they're evening dates, but at least one date per week. And we try to schedule out, sometimes it's just with Kim and I, sometimes it's with with our kids. We try to schedule out a full day every month. So 20 minutes of conversation a day, um, a date night a week, and then a day every month, and then at least um, one full weekend every six months, and at least one week every year. And so just, just a rhythm from the daily to weekly to monthly to every six months to every year that I think for Kim just help us to build in some of those rhythms where we can try to invest, you know, in our relationship and and what matters most.
1: Now that's awesome. What a good word. I know that's, uh, that's encouraged and, uh, probably motivated a few people. It's definitely encouraged and, and motivated me. Um, we're getting to the end. Um, Benjamin, I can't believe we're we're almost up to the hour mark at this point. Um, but, it's it it has man it certainly has would you be able to tell us a little bit about the growing young cohort because you mentioned that right at the beginning i've been like itching for you to tell us about it martin and alina told us a little bit about it in our conversation a few months ago they're loving the growing young book they're loving the whole growing young idea and then I also, if you could um, share a little bit, you have a podcast that's up and coming. It's going to be released within the next few weeks or months. So I'd love for you to just be able to talk about those two things.
2: You bet. So you know, in a um, in a nutshell, um, growing young is a learning journey for cultural change to try to build a local church environment and culture where every generation can thrive, well, we specifically try to reach and empower younger generations better. And so I think it's really the idea of um, growing young is not a program, it's not a weekend, it's not something you just sign up for, but it's really the approach of if we are willing to learn and be led by the Holy Spirit cultural change in the Seventh-day Adventist church is possible. And a a church that is surviving, we believe, can become a church that is thriving. And so, you know, as, as we um, got into some of this content a number of years ago, um, it came out of the Fuller Youth Institute, uh, who had done a research project called Growing Young, and Fuller Youth Institute is one of the largest non-denominational seminaries in the world, and they basically uh, opened up a nomination process around the United States, and 250 churches were nominated to be part of this research project because these churches are thriving with all generations, well reaching younger generations more effectively, and so as uh, Fuller Youth Institute did this massive research project, and we're talking like 10,000 pages of manuscripts, the, proj- the research project was well over a million dollars uh, to, to, for this research project. And what they learned by interviewing all of these 250 churches is that all the churches um, had six shared strategies that we're really helping them be effective with all generations and reach younger generations um, more effectively. So, so that that's kind of the growing young project, and the Seventh Avenue Church. And you probably know this, and I know Aline and Martin know this as well. We have been sounding the alarm of crisis with with younger generations for years, like the last yep. twenty or thirty years. And I think that was important but I've never heard an alarm of crisis start a movement. And I mm-hmm. think the difference with Growing Young is Growing Young brought a hope-filled, positive conversation to the 7th Avenue Church where our church began to see that there really is hope. Like, we can go beyond sounding the alarm that we're losing youth and young adults and we're losing grandchildren and, and, and grandkids But it really, I think, pivoted our church to say there is some hope, and the hope is practical, and the hope is strategic. And so, yeah, we we basically took a research project that was done by the Fuller Youth Institute and contextualized it for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and a movement has erupted, and it has just been so encouraging to watch. And I think, you know, uh, Joshua and Jesse, the difference is that it's so hopeful And it really gives people hope that change is possible. And so uh, last year, um, I ended up leading a group from the Pacific Northwest, and we took 11 churches down to Pasadena, California, and did a year-long journey uh, with Fuller through their research project. And can I share a case study? Do we have time for a case study? Absolutely. Okay, this is so good. I hope you don't cut it out of the podcast, but it's so good. So, <laughs> in so so, um, a small Adventist Church was one of our eleven churches that did this this uh, year long journey facilitated by Fuller last year, and this uh, small Seventh Adventist Church was very aged. It was not a young, thriving community. And they did the cohort for the year. They took the growing young research, contextualized it for the Adventist Church. They learned, they prayed, they asked the Holy Spirit to lead. And over the course of 10 months of this initiative, let me share a couple things that happened which are incredible. The, The church went from having seven attending young adults on a Sabbath to 27 in 10 months. And this oh. is consistent, not not just you a know, hit or miss, but consistent. So seven young adults to 27 in 10 months. The church launched a young adult Sabbath school. They launched a young professional Sabbath school um, at the church. The church voted, this is amazing, the church voted its first young adult ministry budget in the church's 90-year history of $2,000. Whoa. So... In the course of 10 months, this seasoned church said we are going to put our money where our mouth is and we are going to actually give a, a budget line item to young adult ministry. Now, is $2,000 a lot of money? No. But it speaks to the priorities of that church. So that was huge. So they have this um, you know, new budget. They've got more attendance happening. The young adults ended up running a $12,000 health project in the community that ended up uh, ministering to almost 400 non avenous community members. And somebody told me in the middle of the board proposal, when the young adult shared this idea, it was not received well. Like the the church board did not want to vote this thing through. They didn't see the vision. And the pastor told me it was the growing young conversation that pushed this over the edge to where the, the church voted this through and they ended up having this incredible intergenerational uh, community project that was all spearheaded and led by young adults. And here's two more things I'll share about this case study. Right now, at this small church, uh, 90 years old, I think it's 90 years old, could be 60, but it's it's been around for a while. At this small Adventist church in the Washington Conference, there are... Um, over five official board members under the age of thirty-five.
1: Oh, cool! Which is incredible. Which is, is an, incredible. And this is only this is
2: this is only in ten months. So, I mean, I think the Holy yeah. Spirit had been setting up this church for a while, but just some really cool things that that ended up happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, um, growing young—it's a learning journey for cultural change. That that at, at at the heart of it, it's about taking the best research which is available. And right now, that's the growing young research project we feel like that came out of Fuller, to mm-hmm. contextualizing that for the Adventist church and trying to figure out how do we help the Seventh-day Adventist church grow young and become a thriving community for all generations. And, and there, there's a little bit of tension when somebody says, oh, it's growing young, it's only about youth ministry. Actually, it's about intergenerational ministry. And it's the mm-hmm. belief that young people thrive when the church is healthy. And when generations are engaged, younger generations are going to thrive. And so um, I cast a vision with some leaders to our union um, in August of last year to uh, run our own year-long cohort. And uh, it was about a $120,000 project that was being proposed. I didn't know if it was going to be voted through. uh, But if you don't step forward you never know what could be possible. So in August we did a proposal with a few leaders to run our own cohort and the the initiative got voted voted through with unanimous support and we reached out to our union and right now we have 44 7th Avenue churches that are doing a year long learning journey together for cultural change. And it's just been a really encouraging, encouraging journey to watch. And we still have a lot of the year left, uh, but it's been a great journey so far.
0: That's awesome! Uh, yeah, I'm so excited to hear like the results of that when it comes through. Are all those just out of curiosity? Are all those churches in North American Division?
2: They are the this project, the uh, Adventist Northwest Growing Young cohort. Um, is spearheaded by our uh, union, the uh, North Pacific Union. So all of those 44 churches are from the upper left part of the United States. Uh, I, I am sure if we had opened that up to the whole division, we could have had a couple hundred churches, but uh, all the churches are from the uh, Pacific Northwest.
1: Mm. Cool, cool. Well, as soon as all the other unions and conferences see what happens, uh, I bet you they're going to be on the bandwagon. We're trying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: you honestly... Um, between New Zealand and Australia, uh, you all as ministry leaders are always on the cutting edge, and you're just—I—I I, say—I'll say this from from like the from my hope you hear my heart on this. You know, the Australian New Zealand ministry leaders are so inspiring, and I just feel like there is a uh, there is a community of of ministry leaders that are spirit led. They're open to what works. And it's just inspiring, you know, being able to connect with you guys and hear about the podcast and Alina and Martin over in uh, the Brisbane area. But it's really inspiring um, in North America to see what all of you are doing around the world. So thanks for thanks for pushing the envelope, for experimenting, for being a laboratory to try new things. Because it's a, it's inspiring us in North America.
1: Oh, we appreciate that, Benjamin. Um, speaking of podcasts, tell us about your upcoming project.
2: You bet. Um, yeah, th- thanks so much, uh, Jesse, for asking about the podcast. Uh, for about the last six months, um, I've been working on a personal podcast project um, called Rise and Lead, and it really is um, you know, a podcast project that came out of um, a need that I was seeing in my network uh, where I would be approached by, um, you know, uh, attendees at a conference or an event that would often ask, do you have anything else you can share? Do you have a book that you've written? And I, and I really was just listening and I want to be able to serve leaders better. And so I, Rise and Lead is going to be a podcast uh, project that will be launching in a month. And it operates from the belief that God has already put greatness inside of every person. It's not about achieving greatness. It's already there about just living out what God has already put in us and really challenging leaders of all levels to go to their next level of influence and impact. So greatness is already in you. And what's it going to look like for you to go to that next level of impact with your life And so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It'll be a combination of uh, some solo teaching and a lot of interviews, you know, from guests, and hoping that the podcast can be extremely practical with a lot of next steps and takeaways that can be applied uh, once the podcast is done. But yeah, for me, it really is just just a a desire to serve more leaders, you know, and to try to give content that'll inspire and empower leaders to. become all that they can be for the honor and the glory of God.
1: Mm. Mm. Oh, well, you already have two, uh, two, two of your first subscribers oh, you got, right yep. here, mate. <laughs> you guys are great. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, hey, Benjamin, thank you so much. We are at the end of our time together. Thank you for taking um, a little space out of your busy schedule to, to chat to us. We really do appreciate it. Um, we appreciate all that you're doing all the way over in uh, in Portland and and just the incredible stuff that you're engaged with in ministry um, we'll leave all the links to to if people want to get in touch with you and the growing young project um, any any final last thoughts and words that you want to share with our audience before we uh, switch off the old uh, switch off the old recorders
2: yeah you know I, I think um, if I were gonna share if I were going to share anything um, if there is a a leader or a listener who, is just burned out right now and and maybe not feeling um, like they have an incredible amount of value and worth um, I would just just want to speak this word into your life that you have worth and value not because you earn it but because God has given it to you and you are valuable and you do have worth and you are gifted and you are making a greater impact even if you don't see the results from your investment and your own life, you are making a greater impact than you think, and I would just encourage somebody, um, have the courage to step through that open door of opportunity that God has placed in front of you, God has got you, and have the courage to step forward and know that God has a great next chapter for you.
0: Oh wow. That that was so good. I just wanna I just wanna listen to it again. I'm gonna I'm gonna go now and listen to it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What did I say about like animal magnetism, right? Right? Oh, it's just got there's this this there's an energy. It's you know, there's a passion. And you can tell when somebody's being like putting on the 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 passion and the energy and when somebody's being genuine, like Benjamin, all genuine, all one hundred percent certified passion, crazy passion.
0: Certified. Certified Passion. We went to the government of Passion
1: Enthusiasts and they certified this for us. They gave us the paperwork. We will share it with you. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I've been saying this whole time. But yeah, no. Seriously, um, young adult ministry, not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, pretty intimidating. Uh, we've talked a little bit. I mean, we mentioned um Alina and uh, and Martin van Rensburg, really great friends of Benjamin, Pastor Benjamin, and great friends of ours, um, in the same sort of role. So this sort of young adult ministry is—it's no joke. Um, it's a real, real tough, a real tough area, and he just has been embracing this with just this incredible gusto and, um, yeah, just enthusiasm. It's so inspiring and I'm just so you know excited to see where this all leads because this is like early days for young adult ministry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um so hey, let us know your thoughts.
0: We love 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 it when you guys get in touch with us. Um we've gotten heaps of messages from you guys lately. It's been so um encouraging and the reviews have been super encouraging as well. So um yeah, get in touch guys uh, on social media or Um, I mean, the best
1: way to find everything is on the website burnthehaystack.org Yeah, and if you are listening and you haven't already subscribed to the podcast please do We love you if you do that and if you want to take it a step further if you are subscribed, leave a review and if it's uh, particularly good or particularly funny we'll do a shout out We love reviews, it helps the podcast to gain more visibility and we just would appreciate it if you did
0: Yeah Absolutely. Helps us out, helps with algorithms, all that stuff, and it gives us fun stuff to read out. Like apparently that we're better than fruit. Didn't know that. Now I do. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome. Hey well, that's us. Thanks so much guys. That is Josh and Jesse.
2: OUT!